Hello, listeners. I'm Chloe Barlow, and I'd like to say thanks for joining us today for this edition of Columbia Chronicles. If you're looking to learn more about the inner workings of our community and the people who make it so special, you've come to the right place. This is your chance to understand how what's happening around you affects you and your daily life. And all it takes is about 30 minutes of your time. In this season, we're talking about literacy. 2020 marked the 50th anniversary of the University of South Carolina School of Library and Information Science program. Our reporters from Carolina's Honors College have gathered interviews with graduates working across the country to see how they bring a love of literacy to their own communities. In today's episode, Robert Sokovitz sits down with Christine James, a 2016 graduate from the School of Information Science, who took her knowledge across the state to Charleston. My name is Robert Sokovitz, and I'm here with Christine James. She coordinates library and media services for Charleston County Schools. She graduated with a master's degree from the School of Library and Information Sciences in 2016, and today we'll be talking about her thoughts on literacy. Okay, so... I guess it's safe to ask, like, you love to read, right? Of course. I've always been a reader, and it is exciting to be in a profession that is grounded in literacy, but I think you'll hear a lot of librarians say that even though the perception is we just sit around and read all day, we have very, very little time to read on the job. But I would say outside of work hours, that's probably one of my favorite things. I love it. Do you have any recommendations for or what you're reading currently? Oh, my goodness. Um, okay, I fit, just finished Pumpkin, which is by Julie Murphy. It's the third of her series. Um, it's all set in Clover City, Texas. And you just need to know that there's drag and Dolly Parton and promposals. And it is the most amazing high school romance. And I loved it. It sounds amazing. Okay, so you've loved reading for a long time. Uh, I'd love to know, like, how did that love of reading take you to the School of Library and Information Sciences? Like, what was your journey? I'd always wanted to be an educator. So right from high school, I was one of the few people who knew exactly what I wanted to do when I went to college. And then I went and I got a degree in education and I actually taught. Um, I was in the classroom for 17 years. I taught middle school language arts and social studies. So of course, very literacy focused um, areas. And I actually, um, when I was working in Wilmington, North Carolina, Jennifer Lagarde was my librarian. So I got to collaborate with her a whole lot. So yes, AKA library girl, when she was a librarian, we worked together and I just saw the whole world open as far as, oh gosh, you get to work with kids, you get to promote books and literacy, you get to work with teachers, you get to be in on all the technology. It was kind of everything I loved about teaching, everything I loved about working with other adults, everything I loved about books, all together in one job. So when I saw her in action, I just was mind blown. Oh, this is how I can do everything I really want to do all in one place. Moving on to your time at the School of Library and Information Sciences, can you give us an idea of what it was like? I've heard remote learning was also popular. Yes, um, it was. And that was definitely one of the things that attracted me to the program, um, knowing that I could teach full time, pursue my master's. Um, it helps that, of course, USC was a nationally ranked program. Um, 
And what I came to realize when I was in the program was that as far as school librarianship goes, they have dedicated faculty specifically for that. Lots of programs offer a school library track, but there's not the dedicated people who have served as school librarians who are really truly working with the folks on that track to become school librarians. And that was a huge, huge benefit. Um, it was definitely eye-opening. I hadn't ever done any kind of remote learning before, but um, they kept saying, well, no, this is what you're gonna be doing. And it actually turns out that yes, a lot of collaboration from the library is back and forth via email. It was really, really good prep for the job. And I, I loved it. That's amazing. You mentioned that you loved the, the fact that were dedicated professors. Is there anyone who you especially remember fondly or? Oh gosh, um, I loved Dr. Gavigan. Um, so it's really exciting to hear about um, her new role with the iSchool. Um, but she took over as my advisor um, shortly after I entered the program and she was just amazingly, amazingly supportive. And then even after I graduated, she was um, always helpful, always willing to still answer questions. And then when I moved into this role with the district, I've gotten to work with her in some different capacities. Do you remember any classes you took with her or was it chiefly the advising experience? Um, I think it was 742. It was the curricular role of the school librarian and we were putting together a big unit and I had lots of questions as I was going through it because I wanted it to be exactly right. Um, but that was also an exciting class because I was starting to see how what I was doing as a teacher translated to what I would be doing as a librarian and how important that instructional component is. I know you spoke about remote learning. Did you ever visit Davis College? Um, the first time I went to Davis College was actually for my orientation to before I was going to do my internship and I first have no sense of direction. So all everything that was sent to me was super helpful as far as where to park and how to get across campus. Um, Davis College is just so sweet. Just there. I don't know exactly where it is, but I know I wandered to it. But that was the first time. Um, since then, I've gotten to go there for orientations. We have a cohort partnership with the university, um, our school district and the university. And so I've gone there for orientations with some of our cohorts. I've gotten to go and celebrate hooding ceremonies with folks. So it's definitely a place that makes me think lots of joyful memories. You mentioned the cohort partnership. Uh, could you elaborate a little on what that is? It is definitely one of the things I'm proudest to be involved with in my current position. Um, when I first came on, I started talking with our head of human resources, Bill Brigman. So we were looking at what had been currently opening. And then we were looking at the next school year going, oh gosh, we've got 18 openings. So we were looking at the idea of being able to grow our own librarians. So looking at folks who were already teaching in CCSD and looking for folks who had a lot of the things we would want to see in a librarian. So we were looking at, of course, strong instructional practices. We were looking at folks who had leadership experience already, who 
um, were engaged in collaborative practices and people who would be ready to hit the ground running that you know of course we wanted them to have a passion for literacy but we realized that those strengths with teaching the strengths with collaboration the ability to step into a leadership role really are what set the librarians up for success and really benefited the schools the most but um, the cohort's a pretty amazing opportunity. The school district pays for a portion of their master's degree in exchange for them, uh, the cohort members, agreeing to work in a CCSD library for at least five years. We've had two of the cohorts actually graduate. So our second cohort graduated in December, which is was really, really exciting. Um, but those cohort members are joining schools and they are standouts. They are the ones who now we're taking on leadership roles within our school library family. They are ones who are becoming their school's teachers of the year. They're the ones serving on district committees um, and really making a difference. Um, you mentioned the importance of leadership roles for librarians in schools. Could you elaborate a little on maybe community goals they try to reach? I, I love the Shirley Chisholm um, quote, you know, if they don't offer you a seat at the table, bring your own chair. And so that's kind of been our attitude that we are the only position in the school that works with every student and every teacher in an instructional capacity. So we should be there where decisions are being made, especially about anything involving literacy. So we really encourage our folks to be involved and not just to be in charge of the book fair, which is important and is a big deal, but to also be on the school leadership team to be part of committees that are making decisions about scheduling because we want our folks to be visible. Speaking of being visible, I believe you set up a social media campaign vocal for increasing visibility for librarians. Could you maybe talk a little about that? Um, we have a Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram account, that, which is Voices of CCSD's Amazing Librarians. That's what VOCAL stands for, but it was to make sure that we could be heard. We wanted to share what fantastic things are going on in the library. So the idea was to share all the different types of activities that are happening in the library that Yes, it is the read alouds that are helping young readers, you know, love being read to, love books, love being in the library, but it's also working with makerspaces. It's also collaborative activities. It's also the research. And sometimes it's just the library being that safe space for all our students. Um, we've done a lot of promoting about the library being very inclusive. We've worked really hard to build our inclusive collections and now we're really focusing on inclusive practices. We really want to make sure that in our libraries, everybody knows they're welcome. Getting into our theme of literacy, what's literacy to you? How would you define it? Let's see. Uh, literacy really is the foundation for everything. We look at instructionally, of course, the older students get that you know, they go from learning to read to reading to learn, and the library supports um, the instructional aspect of it, but there's also the recreational reading needs and 
being able to find things that you're interested in, being able to explore those more deeply. And that's deeply tied to literacy, all of that. Um, so I don't know that this is probably the official definition, but literacy is everything. <laughs> it, it's definitely connected to everything, um, especially when we think about students growing themselves, both academically and then just growing themselves as people. So literacy being everything, uh, did you come with that belief or was there some light bulb moment beginning in your career? I think when I was in library school, the light bulb moment was one of our weekly assignments where we had to watch this little video snippet from Rudine Sims Bishop about mirrors and windows and sliding glass doors. And that to me was a turning point for how I looked at literacy as far as needing to be available for all students and really wanting them to be able to see themselves in you know books as mirrors but being able to see others and think of or be able to experience the world beyond their front door or their neighborhood with those windows and then having the sliding glass doors being able to go back and forth um, building that empathy building that understanding building curiosity and just realizing that if students don't have those windows and mirrors that it's really a disservice to them brilliant uh do you have any or what advice would you give for like potential students of the school of information sciences get started now do it do it do it um i think i would definitely encourage them to take full advantage of the professors and all the knowledge the professors have because the professors really are so willing to share and um, USC has a pretty impressive faculty as far as um, their experiences. So definitely take advantage of the expertise of the instructors, but then also um, reach out and start connecting with practicing professionals. So um, there's different assignments, you know, throughout the program where you have to interview a you know, current librarian. Take full advantage of those. That's excellent. You mentioned earlier talking about making libraries more diverse, more inclusive spaces. Do you have any like special projects coming up that you could share with us or plans for the future? Um, well, we have over the past, gosh, I guess three years, we started um, doing strategic collection development plans, which Sounds like a fancy name of basically really looking closely at our collections to make sure that if any money did come our way, what are the actual specific needs of our collection? And we've added a diversity component to that to make sure that what we're looking at, that we're not just thinking, oh, we need, you know, to update our fiction collection. Well, do we need more books that feature, you know, positive representations of Asian Americans? Do we need more books that share about the Jewish experience or about the Muslim American experience? So I'm, I'm glad that that is now kind of embedded and that is one of our practices and that's something that guides what we do. But we are going to be, we've 
we briefly touched the surface, this whole COVID pandemic thing through some wrenches in our, in our plans, like everybody else. Um, but with our focus on inclusive practices, we're really wanting to start looking at our policies and procedures, those day-to-day -day things, and look at how is that impacting access. So we know we are saying we want the library to be welcoming, but are we, do we have things that are in place either at a school level or even at a library level that are making non-users out of some of our students? So we want to really take a look at that and then also what kind of programming, whether passive or active programming, can we be doing? So are we saying that we have LGBTQ materials in our library? Are those regularly featured as part of displays? Or are they just books on the shelves? Because we can have the right books on the shelves, but if the kids don't know they're there, we're, we're missing our mark. And are we taking advantage to highlight excellence you know, from different cultures and different people throughout the year? Or are we saving all of our, you know, books about African-Americans just for February? Or are those being featured again throughout the year? Um, are we highlighting intersectionality? Are we really embracing ways to show our kids mirrors and windows? Sounds like you've got a lot ready to get going. It's something I'm pretty excited about. Sounds exciting. Um, is there anything I didn't cover that you really think we ought to know that you'd love to tell us? I just briefly mentioned the partnership between our public library and our school library. That is something that started with um, summer reading and has really grown to something that is now throughout our school year. And it, they help us with grants. They are always there for us. We share programming. Um, we try to help each other out publicizing programs. They helped us when we um, launched a different take on Read Across America. This year we focused on literacy and um, celebrating a nation of diverse readers um, this year for Read Across America Week. and the public library and the school district actually used the same theme and they were part of our planning process. So um, they're just fantastic. And that's been something that we've been doing for four years. This is our fourth year doing summer reading with them. But what's happened um, in between the summer reading programs has been pretty amazing. So grateful for their support and partnership. Thank you so much for let me be involved in this. The pleasure was all mine. Well, this has been Robert Sokovitz talking to Miss Christine James. Thank you for your time. Thanks again to Robert Sokovitz for his reporting. This marks the last episode of the season. We'd like to again give a big thanks to Hannah Tutella, Leah Elsner, Cole Dorn, Eden Berg, and Robert Sokovitz for their work. We'd also like to thank you, listeners, for sticking with us and supporting the work of student journalists. And of course, a big thank you to Garnet Media Group and the School of Journalism and Mass Communication at the University of South Carolina for making this possible. Until next time, I'm Chloe Barlow, and you're listening to Columbia Chronicles. Columbia Chronicles provides in-depth coverage of news and issues important to the greater Columbia community. 
It's produced through a partnership between the University of South Carolina's School of Journalism and Mass Communications and USC Student Media. For a full transcript of today's episode, go to www.garnetmedia.org and look for Columbia Chronicles under Podcasts. Thanks to Lucian Kemper for today's music. Before you head out, we have a quick message for you. Remember the elementary school days spent in the library? Stacks of books, settling in for a great read. Now imagine not knowing where that book might come from. Transitions Homeless Center has a free library you are welcome to use. It's one of the many services they provide, and they could use a few good volunteers too. So check it out and turn the page on your next great read. Visit transitionssc.org or just stop on by.